the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic. Download the app, personalize it with your favorite teams and leagues, and get ad free exclusive content at your fingertips. For this and plenty more, visit theathletic.com slash spot track, S P O T R A C for 40% off that first year subscription. That's theathletic.com slash track. Bit of a emergency podcast. Going to squeeze in three this week, I believe. But this one's here because of Tom Brady's official announcement. Certainly we were waiting for it after Adam Schefter's original report. And it seems like what we were waiting for was Tom Brady to announce this via his show, which was pre-recorded, which I don't know how he thought that was ever going <laughs> to get held behind. Who... Who involved in that show wasn't going to leak to ESPN that this is coming? And that's certainly what happened here. So uh, I'm not going to knock anybody for that outside of, I guess, Brady's team for thinking this could get done in this social media era. And it certainly did not. It's here. He's officially retiring. Uh, But official is exactly what I want to talk about here to start. Because the timing of this has lots of contractual ramifications in terms of the finances and the dead cap and all that good stuff. So I'm going to spend some time um, sort of outlining a piece that I have up on spytrack.com that breaks down these ramifications as detailed as I could because there's some will they, won't they built into this thing. And I'll get to that in a second. Um, Here's what you have to know. The current contract has um, a $20.2 million cap hit which doesn't that just doesn't go away. That's just not how the NFL works, unfortunately. So it's not as easy as some of these other sports where you can just say, cut it off at the head and it's done. There's $32 million of dead cap to deal with for now. Asterisk. What is coming off is $8.925 million of salary, a $1.4 million roster bonus, and $1.875 million of incentives that he earned last year that are now likely this year. Those come off. None of those are guaranteed through the retirement. Um, But what I'm projecting is they're going to keep him active until June 2nd. And this is something we've seen quite a bit, especially with the Saints and Drew Brees um, and the Saints and many of the players that they want to get rid of after June 2nd. This is something that they've become kind of uh, their protocol. They can take that compensation. They can throw out the roster bonus. They can throw out the incentives. They can take that $8.9 million salary, just drop it down to $1.1 million, which is the league minimum for 10 years plus, and they can keep it active. So the 20.2 cap figure now becomes 9 point something, 9.2, I believe. Much more manageable to carry from that, you know, from now until June 2nd, which is what I believe they'll do. On June 2nd, they'll put him on the reserve retired list. They're not going to release him. They're going to put him on the reserve retired list so they hold his rights through next season. Just in case San Francisco comes calling in August and says, hey, you want to come play one year for us? <laughs> now the Tampa Bay has to trade him and get some compensation back for it, which is certainly the way they want to go. That's what we saw with Gronk coming out of New England to Tampa Bay. So to me, that's absolutely going to be the path forward here. And on June 2nd, as it stands right now, that $32 million of dead cap then becomes $8 million. So now the $1.12 million salary that was basically a placeholder, that comes off the books. And there's $8 million of cap carried through the entire 2022 season as dead cap, essentially. 
2023, it's 24 million, which sounds crazy. That sounds big. That's Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford, almost Carson Wentz kind of numbers in terms of dead cap. But think about it this way. 2023 is the TV money deal. That's when the cap is expected to jump. I'm th- we're talking maybe 30 million next year. So if it's, you know, 200 and change right now, it could be 230-ish next year. So a $24 million hit in any regard, not that, not that big of a deal. Uh, certainly a better than better deal than 32 million right now when they're still somewhat in contention mode b- based on some contracts they brought back last year. Uh, you, you don't want to have 32 million of dead cap sitting on there impeding your ability to bring back a couple of guys, fill out some holes in the roster, sign your draft picks, things like that. So I, I do believe this is the route they'll go, but unfortunately it isn't as easy as that yet. Um, because there is that signing bonus, which I mentioned on the last show I've talked about on Twitter. I'm sure you've read about it a million times now, maybe incorrectly in many instances. Here's the real deal with the signing bonus, okay? With the restructure last March, March 2021, he was offered a $20 million signing bonus, which is fine. It is, sort of. They gave him $5 million last March as part of his 2021 compensation, and they deferred $15 million of it to February 4th, 2022, so just a couple of days from now. It's still his as of now. It was a bonus that was given him up front that was simply broken out into deferred payment, 15 million of which comes in a couple of days. The other issue is though, contractually speaking, and this isn't just unique to Brady. I mean, the language was kind of bore out a little bit more clearly than we generally see with contracts because it is Tom Brady, but any contract that has a retirement, any remaining signing bonus proration that has not yet hit the salary cap can be recouped. And so in this case, a $20 million signing bonus that was spread out five years, two actual years, three void years, that means 4 million per year, which means only 4 million of that $20 million signing bonus has hit the Buccaneers salary cap, which means they can now say, Tom, you owe us $16 million. Okay, cash. I'm saying paid back cash. Now he's only made five of it. Another 15 comes in a couple of days. They may just say, we're not going to be paying that. Okay. We're going to keep that as part of our recoup. And we're going to, they can either, you know, say, pay us a million dollars or they can say, eh, we're good. Or they can say, keep it all. We're paying you the 15 million. It's yours. It's, it's a parting gift. Thank you for coming here, choosing our franchise and taking us to the promised land. Um, and we have seen that. That is rare, rarer. But it's possible, especially with situations as exclusive and elite as this one is. So there is a bit of a what if sitting out there right now with this situation. And it impacts quite a few things that we that we track on spot track. So let's just say, I guess the more likely scenario when these things come up is they do recoup the signing bonus. Okay. They say, Tom, we're not paying you the 15. You got to pay us a million back. That's part of your contract. Um give us the 16 million. Generally how it is, is they would be billing him every summer for the next four summers because they're only going to get cap relief based on that signing bonus paration. So if they, if he pays back, you know, the signing bonus for this year, next year, they'll get a $4 million break. If he pays back next June, next June, July, the year after that, they'll get a $4 million break. So respective $4 million of cap credit, 
going forward. It's not like they're getting $16 million of cap credit in 2023. Unfortunately, it's not that easy. It aligns with the structure of the contract. So again, there's a what if hanging out there. <laughs> my gut feeling, my two cents, the way I look at this is kind of how I laid it out before. Just give the guy the money. Just give it to him. Give him the $15 million. I understand that's a ridiculous amount of money in the grand scheme of things, but these are NFL franchises. These are five, you know, four or $5 billion franchises. There's ways for them to make that kind of money back. That's just a fact. Okay. It's a big gift. It's a big parting gift, but you know, not that I'm saying Brady would contend it because he really doesn't have any contention, but do you really want that narrative out there? Do you really want that after the guy just brought you a Super Bowl, helped bring you a Super Bowl? Certainly many of the teammates were, were factors, but this guy shows up and you win immediately. Something that hasn't happened for this franchise in a very long time. So I, I just don't know if you want that kind of press, especially after what we just went through with Brady's retirement. You know, I mean, the, people still talk about Jim Irsay and Andrew Luck's parting bonus, $12 million roster bonus that they could have recouped and they gave it to him. They paid it to him. And just like this, it wasn't yet in his hands. They had to physically hand him that money. It hadn't yet triggered. So he walked away kind of uh, in the middle of the summer. I believe it was a couple of weeks away from vesting and they gave it to him. And Jim Irsay gets a lot of credit, especially on social media still, still to this day for that. So let's say Tampa Bay does say you got to pay us back. Now you're going to get those comparisons. Now you're going to get, well, Andrew Luck can get 12 million, but Tom Brady can't get 15, 16 million. I'm just reading the room here is all I'm doing. I'm not really giving my two cents in, in that regard. If Tampa Bay wants to get the money back, they are 100% within right. That's how this works. Okay. That's how it works. That's why the signing bonuses prorate like they do for, for many reasons. Um, I just think in terms of this one, you swallow it, you eat it, and you just say, let's not, let's not take the hit. Let's not take the press hit. Let's not bring any kind of negativity into the situation. It was all positive, including this past season, which didn't get to the finish line. But, you know, with all the injuries and the COVID stuff, they, they still got pretty damn far with this guy at the helm. I, I just think you have to eat this one and say, let's just give them, give them, the, give them the money. And, and by the way, maybe a deal can be worked out. Never know that. That's very NBA-like. But I just don't think you, you push back and say, you got you to gotta pay us back. That's what the contract says. We have to go that route. It's good for our, our, our franchise. And it is. You know, $4 million of cap credit a year, that's good for business. But I'm not sure the narrative and, and the press that you would take doesn't balance that out at least a little bit. So that's my two cents on that. That's how this works. Any questions on Brady's stuff, please hit me up at Spotrek on Twitter. I'm happy to keep answering that kind of stuff. And I'm, you know, some of this stuff is going to be an education to me as well, because every one of these retirements and, and, and situations ends up being a little bit different. So officially official, except for, I don't believe it'll be officially official until June 2nd. And then he'll be placed on that reserve retirement list and all the money will kind of slide around after that. One more point on Brady as it's relevant to our site. Uh, and I've got it in this piece that I put at the very bottom. The career earnings stuff, generally I start throwing lists and rankings and numbers and all that good stuff out and I'm holding back right now. I did it originally and I, and I have to stop myself because of this bonus, because of this, this, the possibility that things could swing up or even backwards right now. All right, 
So let me explain this. If you look at SpotTrack and go to the career earnings list right now, or even go to Brady's career earnings page on his profile, we're showing 292.9 million as his total figure. That includes 5 million of that signing bonus, but not yet the 15 because the 2022 cash has not yet been paid out. So if Tampa Bay says the signing bonus is all yours, thanks for everything you did for us, that 292 is going up to 307, almost 308, even though he's retiring. So we might not be done yet with Tom Brady's career earnings on the field. If they take the money back, if they don't pay him that 15, but say you got to pay us back a million, it could go down to 291.9 and he could be paying back a million. Again, could be movement there. If they were negotiate some sort of deal, it could go up from there. So I'm comfortable that Tom Brady is going to make at least 291.9 million in his career, which would be paying back the 1 million and not getting the 15 million for that signing bonus. That I can tell you just under 292 is the number that I have for 22 years of Tom Brady could be swinging up to 307. Either way right now, he's the, he's the number one. It's not going to be for long at all. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers may get there with his next contract unless he walks away. Stafford's coming fast. Mahomes obviously will be there soon. I believe in set, by 2027, Patrick Mahomes on his current contract will pass Tom Brady. So Josh Allen, I believe in 2028 is on pace for that. So, you know, if this isn't going to be a, a, a long honeymoon in terms of him being at the top of this list. And he just barely passed Drew Brees and, and Roethlisberger. So the money's crazy right now. You know, it's a lot different now than it was 20 years ago when Brady started. That's for darn sure, but not bad for a sixth round pick. Let's put it that way. All right, before I continue the NFL talk, and I'm going to have Sal Capaccio from Buffalo on to talk Bill's off season. Interesting stuff. Um, just a quick update on what's going on with the site. The, we've got a bunch of articles up. I'm continuing some off-season series pieces. Tight ends coming probably tomorrow. A, a massive deep dive into every single NFL team's tight end situation contractually, and then I'll be switching to quarterbacks on that. So any kind of uh, recommendations, suggestions, questions you have for this off-season, you know, will they stay, will they go, what kind of extensions, market values, things like that. I love getting uh, suggestions. I love getting questions that need to be answered. Hit me up at Spotrek on Twitter or info at spotchart.com if you want to email us. The latest MBA post from Keith Smith, our resident MBA expert, is a good one. It's an interesting one. So the rumors started to fly around about a month ago that James Harden and the Nets may not be long for each other. That started to get discussions about Ben Simmons, the 76ers. Does Daryl Morey want James Harden back in his life? Um, and then if you start to dive into his contract and where things are, there's a player option that's probably going to get opt out, you know, that he's going to opt out for, unless it means he's going to get traded. And what Keith did is he broke down a great piece with all of these options, right? If he's just traded this season in the next 10 days, if he opts out and then signs somewhere else, if he opts out and then stays in Brooklyn and kind of throws a curveball into this conversation, or if he opts in and then tacks on an extension, um, there's options. There's five or six ways this could go. And Keith breaks down every single one with all the numbers and projected contracts and salaries and all the crazy money. You know, by the way, we're well over 50 million a year now. So this is not just some little deal, even though James Harden isn't James Harden anymore. I think in a lot of breaths, he's still going to be warranted on the trade market or on the open market if he opts out of this player option. So it's a good time to start to think about these kind of things, especially if you root for a team that's looking for an upgrade piece this offseason. To me, it's not a slam dunk that the 76ers do something like this. 
because the Ben Simmons situation is so volatile. They could be stuck in mud on this for another year, year and a half if, if Daryl Morey puts, keeps his foot down with this. So good time to start thinking about Harden, even Kyrie in some breaths, and uh, you know how to fix the Knicks, what's going to happen with Russ and the Lakers, things like that. But we start with Harden, and Keith Smith did a great breakdown on SpotTrack.com. Let's talk some Buffalo Bills. Sal Capaccio is the Buffalo Bills beat reporter and sideline reporter. He also hosts the Extra Point Show on WGR 550, and he's an all-around great dude and really good with this with this Bills stuff, especially in terms of contracts and roster construction and things like that. So he's the perfect guest for me to have on to talk about the Buffalo Bills offseason. Thrilled to be joined again by the Bills beat reporter, Sal Capaccio. Sal, welcome back to the show. It's a big offseason, but not as big as it was last year, not as big as previous years for this Bills team. This is a little bit quieter for you, right? Yeah. Um, well, this year, though, is, you know, because of the coaching moves That's and the Bills right. losing coaches with Brian Dable has been a, a little bit more ramped up. But look, I mean, I can go back and talk about like all the coaching searches and GM searches we've gone through for all the years. Right. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, though, man. I wish I wish I was covering a Super Bowl this week. That that's what hurts the most. But thanks for having me. Always good to be on with you. Yeah, man. It's a good problem to have. You know, when you're losing coaches, it means that something's going right in your department. And you're right. This is a still kind of a, a painful time for Bills Mafia and Bills fans and everybody covering the team. But it certainly steps forward, not steps backwards. And in terms of the roster construction, that's really what we're talking about here. You know, this time last year, so we had big decisions to make in terms of some of the defensive players. Uh, where we were going with Josh Allen's contract, certainly everything got sorted out. I, I, I would let's ask this question off the top: Any complete swing and misses from last off season? I think the only one you might consider is Emmanuel Sanders. I don't think he's a complete swing and miss. Um, it just didn't really work out the way they wanted. You know, I, maybe FA Obata fits in here because for me, I'll be honest with you, like I thought Obata was going to play a big role on this defense last year. I thought Obata was going to come in and, you know, for, for what he was, the prototypical, like the size and the, the rawness, the fact he had five and a half sacks in Carolina. And then he was like really, you know, he's inactive for a lot of the weeks and he didn't really uh, do a lot of the stuff that I thought he would do for this team. So I think Obata for me would be number one. And then I think Emmanuel Sanders, but, but Sanders also played pretty well at times. I mean, the, the contract they handed out to John Feliciano for him to not you really, you know, take hold of that and do what he did. But I understood why they did that. I don't think it's a complete miss. I mean, they, they needed him to play at some points this year as well, too. Yeah, that's right. Let's stick with that defensive line, because I agree with you. I, I thought there were multiple players that were being kind of siphoned in and out on a week-to-week basis, almost kind of Patriots-esque. And it seemed like they were maybe even holding a couple of guys back for maybe the next year and the year prior, right? I mean, uh, there's going to be turnover. Uh, certainly they were starting to feel their way through it. But do you think there's some discombobulation on that line? Or is it simply just we wanted to get the vets their run this year, we're going to move on from them, and then it's time for for one or two of those kids to step in next year and go forward? Yeah, I mean, I'm really interested in what they do here. I'm interested in the construction of the roster, both from not only, you know, the personnel standpoint, but the financial standpoint, as you, you know, well aware, and you, you, you do all this stuff, you know, with the contracts and everything. I think that they really felt that they would have a jump from AJ Epinesa from year one to year two. And boy, did we see it in that week two game at Miami. And then all of a sudden, you know, kind of what happened to him? I'm not really sure. I, it's It's kind of funny because as you know, the Bills, they have this philosophy of rotating their defensive line all the time. And I wonder if they have a true stud pass rusher, like how does that mesh with the rotation? Because they're going to want him on the field a lot of the time. And, you know, I don't mind the rotation. I don't mind the philosophy, especially with a 17 game season. You got to keep these guys fresh 
But at the same time, yeah, I was expecting more, a little bit more from Epinesa in his second year. I was, you know, expecting, I think in the early part of the season, Ed Oliver didn't do much, but by the end of the year, he became a stud. We all know that. And I think Star Latule, him being his, all of his unavailability issues for a lot of different reasons also really impacted the D-line as well over the last couple of years, by the way, obviously because he opted out two years ago. Yeah, that's right. And you're right. They play depth. They play pieces. They, they like to kind of switch that out. So what happens here? Because obviously, uh, you know, it's not just me saying this. Many of these experts are out there saying two to three guys are going to fall off that line sale. Is that right? Is Harrison Phillips not coming back for, you know, something less than five million a year? Is Star going to fall off this roster? Is Addison, you know, not long for another contract? It seems like uh, could be big time turnover and maybe high draft picked at this position. I would be stunned if Star Latulale is on this roster in 2022. Okay. I, I think, but I think they have to make him a June one cut because, um, I mean, I'll look over at your page, you know, on they it. They absolutely but, do but, so, yeah. They have to, right? Because I mean, there's, there's, there's almost no savings if they do it this year. It doesn't really help them. But if they make him a June one cut, well, they would do it this year, but make him a June one, then they could actually save some money. They would take a little bit of a hit, obviously, the following year. But I think that's how they're going to have to approach it. I think this team would would love to have Harrison Phillips back. I think Harrison Phillips wants to come back. Like to me, it's very, very likely that they can work something out. There's no, there's no problem with that. The problem I see is Harrison already's had one major injury in his career, and really, I think two if you go back to college. But he I, he knows that he does not have a lot of time to get paid in this league. Mm. And I, I think that Harrison will want to maximize his earning potential on this maybe one chance to ever be a free agent. Or he, could we really see him? Maybe, maybe four years. Maybe he signs a three-year deal somewhere, a four-year deal, and he has another chance. But considering he's already had this one injury, he and then he had the injury earlier this year, I don't know if he will be able to get that chance again. So this might be his only chance, and I would not blame him for saying, look, there's someone outbidding for another million and a half a year. I got to go there. I hope that doesn't happen. I'd love to see Harrison Phillips back in Buffalo. I think the Bills want him back in Buffalo. He said it right. He said, this team knows my value better than anybody on the field and off the field, what I do for the community, the leadership in the locker room. He is a Buffalo guy. He's a McDermott guy. He's a Bean guy. But I wouldn't, I would not, I'm going to stop short of guaranteeing it because I could see another team jumping and saying, we really like this guy. And the Bills going, I just think that's a little too rich for our blood. Yeah, that's exactly how I see it. I think there's a line that Bean has in his mind, and he's not going over it. And quite frankly, we saw the last offseason with the Milano contract, the Daryl Williams contract, the Feliciano contract. Right. They all came under what I was projecting, and my projections are generally baseline. So uh, I thought Brandon Bean had an excellent offseason last year in terms of the contract's uh, numbers and structure. And I don't think he's going to waver from that this year, certainly with less work to do in, the, in that regard. Let's stick defensively. I'm going to avoid the Tremaine Edmonds conversation for just a second here. Let's go to the secondary. Levi Wallace is, is an expiring contract, and I believe Jordan Poyer is an extension candidate. Uh, talk me off those cliffs. Um, I think Levi Wallace, you know, what's funny about him is last year when he went to free agency, if you looked at all of the free agent corners who are out there, if you just didn't think about him being on the Buffalo Bills, Mike, you'd be like, to me, I, I said, like, okay, well, if I had to choose any free agent corner, he, I might choose him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's a guy who started over 40 games in the league over two and a half years. You're in it three and a half now. Uh, I think Levi Wallace should be back on this team. I think they'd want him back on this team. But, you know, the more success you have, the more teams see what you do, um, the more looks he's going to get. Now, I don't think I don't think Levi Wallace is going to command top dollar out there when, from any team. You know, the Bills may still offer him a pretty decent contract. I don't think they're going to give him peanuts. He played at a pretty pretty low deal last year, right? But 
I think, and by the way, Levi made it clear. He said afterwards, and his agent came out and said, Levi told him, I want to go back to Buffalo. Just, you know, I don't really want to go anywhere else. Make it work. I don't know if that's the case anymore. I would hope. I think he likes being in Buffalo. He likes playing for Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier and the system and things like that. So I, I would like to see him do that. Um, as far as extension, so Poyer and Hyde both, right? Poyer has one year left. Hyde signed his extension. He has two years left. I agree with you. I think Jordan Poyer is probably an extension candidate, but I think now with so much invested in what he's done in this community, I don't think you have to rush that. I think something with, I think Jordan Poyer, I mean, you, you could go into the last year and say, okay, you're playing with fire. I think there's time. I don't think Jordan Poyer is going to be itching to leave Buffalo even at this time next year. You know what I mean? I think that you can risk saying, look, we have a lot of emotional investment in him. He has a lot of emotional investment in us. He's raising his family now here in Buffalo. He knows what it means to be a Buffalo Bill. Uh, he's made an all. He, he's become an all-pro now under our tutelage. I wouldn't bet if next year we're sitting here, Mike, I'm on your podcast, and we're talking about Jordan Poyer being a free agent and me saying to you, I still think he could stay in Buffalo. Now, granted, there's a risk that comes with that, and I agree with you that he should be a contract extension candidate. I don't think they should rush it. I think you have time with him. Agree with everything. The only reason he's here for me, Sale, is that the cap hit is over $10 million. And you can yeah. restructure this thing a little bit, you know, push to a lot to signing bonus, kind of keep him at $7 million cash. And I think he'd be happy to push out a year or two for cap purposes and help the team out in that regard. But you're probably right. He can leverage himself to free agency next year. He, he's certainly still at the top of his game in terms of all pro status, right? Right. Uh, look, the Levi Wallace stuff is interesting. I've been talking about him a little bit more than I thought I would be. He's been versatile. He's been all over that secondary for, for Buffalo, kind of doing different things, as you know very well. I've got him at almost three for 30 on an extension, which is mm. higher than I wow. expected to get to him. But, if you, in the, you know, in the grand scheme of things, if a cornerback one is $20 million a year, you know, you know, then a versatile cornerback two or three is going to be around $9 million a year, especially in a, a guy with experience. So, I, again, I, th I do think that's probably a marriage that should continue, but there's there may be a jumping off point in terms of that price point as well. We'll see where that ends up. Um, Let's talk Tremaine Edmonds. It's the fifth-year option. It's fully guaranteed. There's a lot that goes with that. It's a high cap hit in a, in a situation where the Bills don't have a lot of that to burn right now. Um, you know, I don't think an extension makes sense even with the high cap hit sale, and, and the, you know, the track record has not been good. Where do you sit on this? You watch him a lot closer than I do, and he certainly takes his hits on social media. Let's put it that way. Uh, is, he, is he even close to an extension candidate right now, or is it really a wait-and-see situation? Yeah, I think he's close to being one simply because of – I think there's two parts here. There's our opinion of him and what we think their opinion of it is that's of right. him, right? <laughs> I think that's the part of it. And I think their opinion of him is everything, even, even at the end of the season press conference, Brandon Bean was asked about him a couple of different times. And they always say this about him, and it is basically people don't see the other things he does, being the leader of the defense and the captain of the defense in the middle and all the things that go through how much leadership and throughout practice every week and all that kind of stuff. And that's great, and I respect all of that. But I do think there's a production element here that is lacking from Tremaine Edmonds to justify a big money extension. I like him. I think he's still young. At some point, though, being young, he's kind of crossed the threshold of he's still been in the league long enough that he should be making more plays than he is. Yeah. I do think because of the system they run, you know, Tremaine Edmonds is, and, and Matt Milano together are very good. They're very good linebackers, right? But we've also seen Edmonds out with Klein in or Milano out with Klein in and Terrell Dodson play. And there's not much of a drop off there, to be quite honest, from that group, right? I, so so I think that the system withstands holding up. If you were to, to lose Tremaine Edmonds, I don't think they should be eager to move on from him. 
I don't think that he should be in the top tier of linebackers being paid on some sort of extension either. I'm okay with the fifth year option. They budgeted for it. He's going to be back. Let him run one, one more back. Maybe he makes that, that really big jump we've all been waiting for. But Mike, I mean, it's been four years now and we, we haven't seen that jump. He played, he played well last year. I don't think he played top money extension. Well, though, no, not even close. I mean, your uh, off ball linebacker stuff is almost 19 million now. Sale. It's almost 20 right. million. Honestly. I mean, you, you can't get him even close to that. And certainly the C.J. Mosley contract was the start of this whole problem for that inside linebacker position. But I, the, I've come to terms with this. If, the, if they can get him on a deal, and I realize it's two different positions, but I'm with you in terms of the, the combined impact. If they can get him on Matt Milano's deal, you do it. You do it. That, that's probably the right fit. Now, that's very low. That's probably half of what, what he's expecting where, based on where he was drafted. But if you can get him around $10.5, $11 a year, over a four years and spread some cap out a little bit. I think that's worthy of, of consideration for those intangibles that you're talking about. This is the off season to do it though, right? Because there's just not, I mean, we can talk about digs in a second here and that's going to be a big mouth to feed, but you really don't have to go crazy in terms of, of bringing back, you know, a lot of notable players that have expiring contracts. You're kind of dictating your own, your own aggressiveness this off season. So I think there are, there's a chance that Bean can really push for this negotiation and get it done if he believes that two more years of Tremaine Edmonds makes sense. But I'm really on the fringe with it. This is a position I'm just not paying right now for, for a lot of teams, uh, and Buffalo's in that group for me. Yeah, and you know that they do play so much nickel, and they just paid Taron Johnson, right? Yeah. I mean, like the, the, there's the linebackers are very important, right? You're right, and and for what he does, this is not a traditional. This isn't a Ray Lewis middle linebacker, right? Like I said, yes, he does a lot of things. He has this range. He's long, but but the way that they use their linebackers, like again, I think that it's very system friendly for them. Um, a lot of it is predicated upon what happens up front and things like that. It's funny you mentioned. Like, would you say now, Mike, that, is Matt Milano actually underpaid for what he does oh, in, yeah. in his contract? Two, two to three million a year, in my opinion. Amazing, so, right? Yeah. Yeah. So again, if that's the kind of deal you can get him to agree to, then he probably do because you're only guaranteeing two years. You're you're really only tacking on one more year of guarantees. Right. So I I do think that's that's a decent way to go for cap purposes for business sense. So I, I'm not going to rule it out completely because there's a there's a way that Brandon Bean can make it work for the team as well. But uh, yeah, certainly not what we thought we would be talking about five years into his contract. That's for sure. Let's talk offense a little bit. Stefan Diggs is, you know, one of the poster childs of this team. Certainly Josh Allen's right-hand man for a lot of reasons. In that regard, you got to align him contractually speaking, right? There's two years left in this deal, but none of it's guaranteed up front. In my opinion, you've got to put him in two and a half to three years of guarantee with four years of stability that, that put him basically right in line with Josh Allen's guarantee structure. Is that pretty much on point with you, Sal? Look, I, I, I wouldn't mind doing that. I, I think, you know, his cap hit right now is what, 17, nine next year. Is that right? Am yeah, I almost looking at that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's close to 18. I mean, that's a pretty healthy cap hit as it is. The next couple of years, it's going to be 18 in each. I think that, I think a lot of the talk about extension for Stefan Diggs, let's remember they did tweak his contract a little bit, I think mm -hmm. last year, right? If I remember right, you could tell me, but I, it, it, a lot of the talk about Stefan Diggs is simply because he's been so good. You compare him to the rest of the players in the league, but on the surface though, Mike, he does still have two years left. Like yeah. he's under contract for two more years. The bills don't have to do anything with him. They can now that could be the, you could say, well, that's playing hardball. And I think the danger there is, but what does Stefan Diggs think? That's what I want to know. Does Stefan Diggs feel that he has to have more money that he has to be compensated like some of the top receivers in the game because he's not right now because his base salary is 12 and a half million a year. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know that if Stefan Diggs isn't making those rumblings, 
I don't think you have to go out and change very much. However, if you feel, hey, we got a time to Allen, like you said, we want a time here for a while. He's still only 28, turning 29 years old next year. We can have him for a few more years. Then I think you can, and you can lower that number. You can you can do some creative financing where you can help yourself out. So I'm definitely not against it. I just don't think you have to do it unless Stefan Diggs feels you have to do it, and then you don't want to put yourself in a situation. Um, but he deserves more. There's no doubt. Um, but he's still making, like I said, he's still making a nice number, and that's 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 a pretty hefty, you know, eighteen million dollars for any wide receiver is something you say, okay, how much do you want to allocate at the position overall? Because we use the, a lot of these guys. Can I poke some holes in that? Sure. Okay. Well, what you're saying is exactly right, but I think you have to preempt it, Sal. I, I don't I don't think you want to get to the point where Stefan Diggs starts saying things because that can trickle into the locker room. That can become a problem with more players than just Stefan Diggs. I think you have to get in front of this for a couple of reasons. That one, that you don't want it to get out that Stefan Diggs needs a new contract, is asking for right. a new contract. You should you should be doing this prior to that. And then two, Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, Mike Evans. There, sure. there is a massive slew. Uh, and this was the Tredavious White conversation a year and a half ago. There's a slew of contracts coming to this position that is going to blow this thing out of the water. So if I tell you Stefan Diggs is worth $22 million a year right now, and Devontae Adams goes 28 to $30 million a year, everybody's going up with him. Everybody. It's just how this thing works. It's, it's how the, the monster of the NFL is. So... You want to try to get ahead of that. If you can get him four for 88 right now, guarantee two and a half years of that, you're stealing them. You know, you're stealing them. And, and, you know, this is not an organization that's had a true WR1 consistently for, for quite a long time, as you know. So I just think you have to get ahead of this one. You have the ability to do it this offseason. Don't even let him come to you and say, it's time I have to get, you know, we need to talk right now. Let's, uh, let's push some numbers out there early. So that's where I am with that one. And that's why he's high on the list for me. Yeah, I understand it. I totally get it. Um, I wonder, like I'm looking at his bonus structure and things like that. There's not a ton. I mean, they could take base salary, turn into bonus. Right. You could create some cap room, but it's not about cap room. I don't think you're saying that either. It's just about taking care of the player and making sure that you don't have to pay the piper even more down the road. Like you said, with Tredavious White or something like that. So not against it. I, I don't want it to preclude them from doing other things on the roster because he is still, you know, he still does have two years left on his contract. But yeah, this is a different animal. You do not want to get in a position where this is a player that you're having issues with over the next couple of years because he means so much to your offense. Yeah, it makes sense. All right, let's turn negative a little bit. I, I'm not sure how you know how far you've gotten into your offseason stuff. Obviously, we're uh, we're quickly removed here from the season. But yeah, what's the name that's going to be thrown out there that, that you think could fall off this roster? Not you know, Starletule is on your on your roster for sure. Or excuse me, on your list. Is there an offensive name? Yeah, it's Cole Beasley, 100. Yeah, okay. All right. I mean, look, I, I, I still think he can play Mike, but his, his cap number, if you, if you get rid of him straight up, you're saving $6.1 million. I mean, that's money you can save on a player that's not getting any younger and started to have some, a bit of some injury issues this year, things he had to work through. He didn't miss any games. You know, you still have, like, if you want, you could shift some money and, you know, Isaiah McKenzie, what he did for you in the slot, things like that. I'm not saying Cole Beasley's not a good player anymore. What I'd like to see is a restructure of his contract. I, I But I could absolutely see him not on this team anymore at all. And I don't think that we should completely dismiss all of the stuff that happened with the vaccine stuff. I'm not telling you because of that. I'm saying I wonder if the organization felt that was a lot to deal with. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they don't want to go through that again. And I for right or wrong, I'm not making judgments on that. I just think that's how organizations operate, especially a team like the Buffalo Bills, who with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and the Pagulas may say, I'm, we're not dealing with that again. Like, w w w do we really have to 
pay him this much money, 7.6 on the cap, when we can save the money, not deal with that. And there are other options that are good players that we can have in here. I just, I'd be stunned if Cole Beasley is on the opening day roster on the current contract he was on. I'd still be surprised if he's on the opening day roster. I think that's exactly the the way to say it is. I don't think he's a, he's a home run, you know, March 16th release. He may be because of the 6.1 million. But A, I, I'd try to get him to take a pay cut first to try to yep. lower that cap hit. And B, I, I'd say, look, we're letting you, we're, we're getting you out of this contract, but we want to bring you back. So go go do your diligence. Go try to find six, seven million a year. When you can't do it, come back for four and a half with us. I, I do think that's where this ends up because I do think there's a fit. Now, is this a top draft position? Is this going to be the number 25 overall pick in your opinion? Ooh, it's tough for me. I, I try not to do that until after free agency a little bit. I remember a couple of years ago, I, I was hook, line, and sinker, and then they signed John Brown and Cole Beasley. And you're like, oh, okay, they're not going to do that anymore, right? Um, I do believe the Bills will stick to their board. I still think that even edge rusher could be in play again this year, believe it or not. But um, yeah, they probably look at wide receivers, but I want to see what they do in free agency. It just seems to me that Brandon Bean's way of operating has been free agency and middle round draft picks for wide receivers. Now he did trade the number one, obviously his pick for, um, Stefan Diggs, but there you go. I mean, that's to me, he either wants an established guy or wants to go with mid round picks. I don't think he believes necessarily in using a first round pick on, um, a receiver coming out of college because there are, I think the value is there later in the, in the draft. Yeah, that's fair. That's definitely fair. What about the the right side of this offensive line, which was certainly a problem? Boy. I mean, Daryl Williams has an out. I realize he just got him done, but there's an out, uh, I believe, before March 19th on that contract. Seems too quick to pull the trigger on that one, right? It does, especially considering he did wind up starting at guard. He be, I thought that he he played better at that position as the season went on. Yeah. Um, You obviously know that you have Spencer Brown locked in at right tackle, and you know you have Deion Dawkins locked in at left tackle. I'm interested to see what they do at that position. Um, and this is a Feliciano discussion as well. I mean, you, you, you brought both of these guys back last year. If I had to choose which one I think would stay, I think it's Daryl Williams over John Feliciano. If they, if they're going to choose now, they may, they may both be on this roster next year, but I think that Daryl Williams has done enough to at least warrant them saying, okay, you know what? We can stick with this because we still think he could be our starting right guard going forward. And the versatility. Versatility always pays. So 100%. you're right. That's, 100%. A, that's probably a, a good reason to do this. All right, let's finish on this. Dawson Knox had a, had a definitely a breakout year. I think it didn't finish exactly like we wanted it to, but um, extension candidate, finally eligible. Mm. Is he, is he getting done this year or do you, do you need to see more of that sale? I think I need to see more, but boy, it's that's playing with fire right there. I'd love to see Dawson. I think Dawson has not even reached his ceiling yet. You know what I mean? I, I think the bills feel that way as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if they go to him and they want to do something like that. Um, he's the kind of guy now I'm not, I don't think you use your franchise tag necessarily on a tight end. I mean, they could, you know, he's not, he's hasn't been Travis Kelsey, but that always is the option, right? If you get to the end of the year, and he really has this, oh, my God, he's continuing to ascend. Yeah. He's having this monster year. You could do that just to buy yourself some time. Um, so they could do something like that. Yes, I do think he's a candidate for an extension. I I wonder how high they'd be willing to go. Um, but be, in part, by the way, part of this is they showed all the faith in him last offseason when so many of us thought that they were going to go out and do something. That's right. Like, this is their guy. This is their guy. We know that. And then he went out and he rewarded them with that season. So. I do think he's a contract extension candidate this offseason, but there's only so much money to go around. You can extend him and Diggs, and boy, that's hard to do if you start. You know, we just talked about Jordan Poyer. He's got to be on the list, though, because of his age, 
and because of his ascension of what he's done from year two to year three. That's right. And you get some value because I think you're right. There's there's more ceiling. There's more to be had there. And I've only got him about eight and a half million a year. So I, I, I don't think he would like that too much, but I'm, I'm certain that the Bills organization would like that. He's, he's on the rise. Right. And this time next year, we could be talking about a, you know, a $12 million franchise tag and a $14 million per year player because that's where the position is going, unfortunately. So I'd probably at least uh, show interest in it, as, you, as you're saying here. And But if I had to wait on any of these, that's probably the one I wait on for this for next offseason. What else, Sal? Let's get out of here on some of your thoughts. Well, you know, Thoughts on this past season? Uh, anything in terms of the coaching staff that you want to get to that, that's going to lead into 2022? And uh, like you said, it might be a, a, a pretty interesting offseason in terms of free agency with some of these holes that have to be filled that we discussed today. Yeah, as you and I are talking, just as we started talking, the Bills announced Ken Dorsey coming back as offensive coordinator. And I think that's great. It's great for Josh Allen. It's great for Ken Dorsey. I think it's great for the Bills. It's uh, it's something I think I know they wanted that. We heard that. We know the Giants were in the mix and Dorsey had to make a decision. But, you know, I, I think this is going to be great for this team and the continuity. But I'm interested to see what kind of a play caller he is. But certainly there's that respect level and Josh Allen wanted him back. So that's really good. I'm super interested in what they do at the offensive line position. I, I don't think it's fair to, to Sean McDermott to just assume that Bobby Johnson just wanted away from Sean McDermott because a lot of people are. I think it's also very fair to assume that maybe Sean McDermott was going to move on. Um, his contract was up. Maybe the Bills said they were going to go in a different direction. We don't know. But what does, what does that direction look like? That's going to be a very key hire for McDermott and Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey's going to have a say in this if he's going to be the offensive coordinator. You know, um, but looking at financial structure, where they are right now, Jerry Hughes is interesting because he's retired. Uh, I'm sorry. He's, he, I'm sorry. He He's not going to retire. He doesn't want to retire. Uh, he said he wants to play, um, but he's on, he just played out, you know, his contract and Brandon Bean basically said he knows that he wants to play. I know he's a guy that's been here. He has a lot of equity built up in the organization. I think I'd kind of be surprised if he's back, but if the bills can get him for a, a cheap deal, I, I, I would say, I know for a fact, Jerry and his wife would love to stay in Buffalo. Like I've spoken to both of them on that. And you know, I know they'd love to stay in Buffalo and, um, you know, that that I, I'm interested to see if that happens in some way, shape or form. Um, there's a couple under the radar free agents. Saran Neal's meant a lot to this team in special teams. Mm. He really has. I don't doubt and I wouldn't I would wonder if the Giants make a play for him with now Joe Shane over there and knowing how much of a guy like of a core guy he could be to kind of stabilize, you know, a little bit there in special teams, bringing in the right kind of people. And then, of course, there's Isaiah McKenzie. I don't know what your valuation is of him. I'm interested to know what you think he could fetch on the open market, but I think that's a guy that, you know, the bills have to hope, hopefully try and get back. I've got him at 5 million, but it's a, it's a, it's a thin, you know, a thin number because he's been so inconsistent at times, but certainly you know what the ceiling can be. And, and Oh, by the way, you know, this kind of gimmicky do everything type player is really coming into form here with this NFL, right? Debo Samuel is going to be a $22 yep. million guy soon. Cordero Patterson just blew the lights out of a four and a half million dollar contract. So, you know, if I say he's X, you know, it could be Z by the time March gets here, knowing what kind of contract extensions could be coming. But um, there's value in bringing a guy like that back because of what he can do in, in many facets of the game, and certainly with special teams, if they allow him to do that. Uh, you mentioned the Giants real quick, Sal. The, the Bills and the Panthers did a lot of business together yeah. <laughs> right? since Bean left, since McDermott left, and, and quite a few other players and coaches kind of came across. Do you think there's going to be any of that with the Giants and the Bills in the next couple of years? Sure, I do. I, I think, I don't know if you're going to see necessarily trades like that. You might, you might see something under the radar that just doesn't, you know, a player here, a player there. But I definitely think the Giants will target some former Bills as they go on. Now, one thing I've, I've been on a lot of Giants radio lately and podcasts and people asking me about Dable and Shane and things like that. And one thing I tell them is, well, 
let's remember, Brandon Bean actually made a lot of player trades to get under the cap as well. Sure. He traded Sammy. He traded Ron Darby. He traded Marcel Darius. He traded uh, even Kevon Seymour, whoever. Right? I mean, like they made these trades. And part of the reason is because these players have value. And Brandon Bean needed to get under the cap. And he wasn't just going, well, you know what? We're just not going to get rid of him. So I wouldn't be surprised if I see Joe Shane trade away some players from the Giants roster and then do the Bills come into play for a guy that, hey, you can have him for a sixth-round pick. And maybe it's a, a spot the Bills can fill on a depth spot or something like that. That's how I would look at maybe some of their their spots. Um, but the other thing is they don't have a very healthy cap situation. So, yes, I do see maybe some guys like a Saran Neal or an Isaiah McKenzie, depending on what he could. Now, they they have Ladarius Tony, so I don't think he would necessarily be a fit there. But they can't just go and get all the Buffalo Bills that are free agents. You know what I mean? They, they don't have that kind of money. It, but it, but over the next couple of years, I do think you'll see that. You'll see Bills players who they become free agents or you know they're not on the team anymore, and then suddenly the Giants swoop them up because Joe Shane says, hey, I was with that guy. I know who he is. This is what how it works in the league. We all know that. Yeah. I'm here for more trades, by the way. I think it is an, yeah, right? it's an underutilized crutch in this league, and the good teams are getting better because of it. So uh, something, to, something well, to keep an eye on with these organizations for sure. One thing, and I think the organizations you have to look at, Mike, are obviously the ones with new head coaches and new GMs, especially yeah. ones with new GMs. If I mean, there are nine new head coaches this year, nine coming into next year, and there's going to be. Not all of them have been hired yet. Several of them have new GMs. It's a great point. Uh, those, there's going to be turnover. Those are the rosters. Yeah. That's right. Those are the rosters you look at and say, okay, a GM is going to go in and say, that guy doesn't fit my system. Yeah. That guy doesn't fit me. Those are the teams that you look at and say, can you target and make a trade with those teams for somebody on their roster? Yeah, nobody's falling in love with anybody on those teams, right? It's Everybody's up. That's I like right. it. I like it. Could be a fun offseason. He's at Sal Sports on Twitter. He's a great follow. The Buffalo Bills beat reporter and plenty more. Sal, thanks so much for your time. Anytime, Mike. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for all you do. All right, my thanks to Sal. He's at Sal Sports on Twitter, as I said. He's a great follow. Lots of interesting stuff on Buffalo Bills and all, all things Bills in Buffalo sports as well. Sales all over the place. He's a hard, hard-ass worker, that's for sure. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash track for 40% off that first year. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Track Podcast. <laughs>